This is the City Surgery on City Talk 105.9. And it's City Talk 105.9. A very good afternoon to you. My name's Mick Coyle. Welcome to the Legal Surgery. Yep, that time of the week where we sit down with a solicitor and he guides us through some legal advice. Uh, Not for my problems, but hopefully uh, for yours. If you've been emailing the show over the course of the week, then we'll do our best to answer your legal issues on air in the next 20 minutes or so. We welcome our resident solicitor, Mark Ellis, from James Murray Solicitors. Uh, Mark, great to see you. Great to see you, Mick. Yeah, lovely uh, to be back. And I apologise that uh, that last week I was complaining I was feeling a little bit under the weather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get cooped up in our little uh, recording we booth do. Yes, in our we do. studio here, and uh, I uh, appear to have uh, passed something on you to you. You shared the germ, so uh, last weekend I was... I felt rotten, and, and it was the Mick Coyle disease. And I think you've, from, from what I can make out, you've you've shared it amongst colleagues as well. Yeah, there's a few people have They're gone all down. going down. Yeah, I, I, I'm hugging too much. You are. It, it's it's the French kissing I worry about really more than more than the hugging. <laughs> uh, Mark, you're with us this week, hopefully in in fine form and in good health. <coughs> Uh, to answer some questions on the show this evening. Uh, if people want to email questions in for next week's show, dead straightforward on the email, send it in to surgery at citytalk.fm. There's a link on the website as well. You can also listen back to previous shows there, surgery at citytalk.fm. It might be to do with things like uh, motoring offences, family matters, uh, legal issues in regard to home ownership and that sort of thing. Mark Ellis could well be the man for you in terms of answering those questions. As I say, thank you to everybody who's emailed in questions. Uh, we will do our best to get through as many as we can on the show this week. It's City Talk 105.9. And first on the legal surgery this week is Mike, who says, we bought a brand new house off a building company several years ago. When we bought it, we were advised that a management company would look after the grounds of the estate for an annual charge. The charge would be split equally for every house. <laughs> Household. A very short time after our purchase, the builders obtained planning permission to build three blocks of flats on the estate on an area originally planned as green. This led to a significant increase in the annual charge. The management company were now maintaining the flats, the grounds, the communal areas and the cost of cleaning and repairing any uh, damage and it increased uh, year on year. Eight years after our purchase, we're now paying about 12 times what we were originally paying in fees. I've made representations to the management, but all they do is quote that the full fees are to be split equally and they will not charge flat owners more than house owners. The council cannot help as they have not adopted the land and the builders don't want to know. Is there anything we can do? Uh, Mike asks, can we force the company out or at least get them to alter their interpretation of the terms? He also asks, can the council adopt the land and who regulates these management companies mike looking for your help on the legal surgery this afternoon Mark. yeah yeah great great question in fairness and and i can only speak really from personal experience i mean many years ago i lived in in a block of flats um sort of all studio flats and we were all having to pay uh, a fee an annual fee to the management company and it did increase year in year out and we were contractually bound by that in essence we, that we'd have to pay this fee and it was uh, divided between however, however many people lived in, in the flats and what we event, eventually ended up doing was setting up a, a tenants committee and approaching the management committee, management company and saying to them we'll take this over we will find uh, a better way of, of dealing with all these things and we will take over the cost of, of you know sorting out the insurance for the for the uh, the communal areas we'll sort out the the cleaning of the gardens etc 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 but that required all of the tenants to speak as one 
And it also required us to have almost like a Mexican standoff with the management company. And in essence, what we said was, nobody will pay that fee. Now, so no one paid the annual charge. Uh, lots of individuals, especially some of the elderly people in, 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 the, uh, in the flats, came under pressure. Uh, individually until we the tenants just simply stay together and it's solid solidarity with a capital s what sort of fees are we talking about here? i can't remember now i mean this is sort of 1999 2000 thousands of pounds or a few I, hundred uh, pounds or? for the sake of argument let's say about 800 quid i honestly can't remember how much it was per year then but anyway um we ended up having a meeting with the management company they realized that they were on a sticky wicket that we weren't going to pay it that we felt that it was it was too expensive and in the end they said okay it's over to you and we ran it we actually ran the, the management company ourselves and the, the, the price just came down dramatically we, we shopped around for cheaper insurance we got people to do the gardens that were a lot cheaper than, than the management company um, so I think what you're going to do really if you're going to have what you're after ultimately is you don't want to go down the route of litigation and all the rest of it you want to see those fees being reduced so why not speak to the other tenants and why not sort out a committee such as that and then go and speak to the management company and say we're not paying your fees now look you may have a contractual issue here you may have signed up for s- such an agreement and they may throw at you, hey, you are paying uh, and indeed you may get solicitor's letters saying you will pay or else we're taking you to court and you might be taken to court but at least it forces the issue and makes them realise that hey, hang on a minute, we can't just pay, you know, charge them whatever they want to charge and if you if you simply hang in there uh, and try and have that solidarity that we had all those years ago, you might find that, that they agree well it's just more trouble than it's worth that these tenants are right pains in the bum uh, or a phrase similar to that and they might just sort of leave you to, to do it but if you're going to do it, it's got to be done efficiently and, and thankfully the team of tenants that we had at the time, um, you know, there were lots of professionals within that within that organisation and we all did our little bit but it certainly fell on, on one or two people in particular. I was going to say I, I didn't have you down as a bit of a revolutionary I wasn't a revolutionary I, I'm, I'm an evolutionary I evolve, I don't revolve But you were a solicitor, were you a trained solicitor at the time? I was a trained solicitor at the time oh, Mick, yeah. Did you write them a letter? I can't remember. I think I did get involved. I was certainly involved in in the uh, into the, in negotiations. It was great fun, uh, you know. But in fairness, the, the guy who owned the, the the landlord, in essence, who owned the freehold, um, initially was extremely hard faced and threatened us with all sorts, and did try tactics such as going round and speaking to individuals, the older people in the community. And when we sort of basically fronted him up and said, "That's not going to happen. We're all speaking as one," and he couldn't get a fennig out of anybody, and that was the issue. And so he realised. They're more trouble than they're worth, mm, uh, and left little, us to it. A little bit of politics on the show. Oh, there, a little I think. bit of politics. I like Ben Elton. <laughs> uh, Mark Ellis is with us on City Talk 105.9. I'm seeing it in a slightly different light now. I can see you better now waving a flag outside. In those days, I used to wear this little, little beard and uh, and a natty little beret. Just <laughs> uh, and they called me Shay Guevara Ellis. Never forget those days. Uh, Mark Ellis with us on City Talk 105.9. The legal surgery, Mike. Thank you for your uh, email. John asks, uh, I had recently entered into an agreement. Bracket signed for a new car with a local car sales company. I've been misled numerous times during this time and ultimately complained to the general manager about it. He basically told me I could have my deposit back, which I have since had refunded. My main queries are, even though the deposit has been refunded and as I still got a signed contract, as do they, does this still tie me down to any sort of agreement? I do have an email confirming my full deposit back. I'm also very annoyed that he has not contacted me regarding an investigation he assured me would carry out with regard to his sales rep's lies and his behaviour. So what route can I follow for this? And if I go on their website, can I legally name and shame the salesman and general manager about the poor quality I have received? Thank you, asks John on the legal surgery this afternoon, Mark. 
Yeah, okay. Have you got a contract? No. Uh, you've had your deposit paid back, and clearly you've you've entered into that agreement originally due to a misrepresentation made by the salesperson. <coughs> Excuse me. And therefore, the owner of the garage, or whoever it is you've been dealing with, has realised the mistake's been made, and they've they've uh, uh, agreed, in essence, to, to pay your deposit back. So no, you're not bound by the terms of that agreement. It's null and void, in essence. Um, with regard to the complaint that you've made and the investigation they've assured you they've carried out, look, if they're saying we're going to carry out an investigation, do they have some sort of contractual duty to come back to you and tell you what the outcome was? No, not really. Morally, perhaps they might, but you know, from a contractual point of view, they haven't got it. There was, there's no contract relationship now between you and them. They've paid you your deposit back. Um, so can you name and shame them? Well, if you want to go on their website and, and start naming the salesperson, uh, I guess you could do if you wanted to, uh, to, you know, to, for instance, to warn other people. But you might think, well, I've got my money back now. There is no contract. I can just move on and look for another motor vehicle and put it behind you. If you're not prepared to do that, if you think that the lies were so outlandish that, that something needs to be done, that rather than writing on their website, why not contact Trading Standards and have a chat with them and see what they can do? They, I'm sure the last thing they would want, really, rather than simply a, a derogatory comment on their website which they may be able to remove if they have trading standards going around then having a chat with them uh, I'm sure they won't appreciate that so that's something that 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 might be uh, and more appropriate but look your bottom question the bottom line is is there any sort of agreement no you were entered you entered into that agreement for, uh, on false pretenses you were told lies it would seem and on that basis they've simply said to you fine there's your money back thank you and goodbye uh, John, thank you for your email. If you've got questions for Mark Ellis, do send them in. It might be about something that you've bought that you're not happy with. It might be service that you've received that you're not happy with and you'd like to get a refund or maybe you've got customers who are asking for a refund from yourself and your business and you don't think they're due on. Uh, do drop us your emails. If you'd like to remain anonymous, that's absolutely fine. Uh, just take your name off it or make it nice and clear at the top of the email and uh, we'll uh, not read out your name on the radio if you don't want. Uh, let's crack on, though, with uh, somebody who doesn't mind their name being mentioned, Kenny. He says, At the bottom of my garden, Mark, is a private road that runs off the main road and leads to a business. The road is narrow and is a tight turn off the main road, and very large trucks that supply the business regularly knock my fence down and the concrete posts as they only have a very small clearance when they turn up the road. This happened again this week and has happened on two other recent occasions. They also knocked the roadsides down for the road and damaged other property of my opposite neighbour. Generally, the trucks are too big for turning into the access road. If I catch them damaging my property, they do admit damage and pay. But if I'm not around, I'm just left with a damaged fence. Can I take an injunction against them continuing to accidentally damage my property? Uh, Kenny asks on the email. That sounds like it's an incredibly annoying situation. Well, it, it sounds. It does sound incredibly annoying, and uh, I think you may have an action against the people who, who have the business at the end of the road. If they are having, you know, uh, deliveries dropped off at their business, and it's and it's damaging your your property as the the trucks drive down this private road, then I think rather than going after each individual truck, you could be saying to the people who own this business, do something about this, or we shall sue you in the tort of nuisance because clearly they are creating a nuisance and. and onto your property and your property is being, uh, being damaged as a consequence. I note that, you know, where you say, well, we're catching them, and when they catch them, they're admitting damage and paying, which is, which is fine. Um, but, of course, you pose the question, what happens if I go out? Well, have you considered installing something like CCTV or something? I know it's going to come at a cost, but uh, at least you would be able to, to monitor what was going on down, your, down by your property when you went there. Um, I think, yes, you could consider suing them, suing the, 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 the owners of the business in, the, in, in, in civil courts. I would also contact 
um, just thinking laterally, the local authority to see if they have concerns about such large trucks uh, using that that uh, that road. Certainly, the road. Uh, the residential road onto the private road, and and also speak to environmental health people whether they could whether they could help you in any way, shape, or form. But <clears throat> the starting point has to be, I think, you go to the people who own the business and say to them, the, "These individuals, who, th- these trucks, are causing damage. What are you going to do about it? Otherwise, I may be in a position to litigate." So, in terms of injunction, you'd in essence you'd be you'd be seeking damages. But I think this that you could potentially go down the route of saying, I, "I want an injunction to prevent trucks going down that road." I think you could you'd be well within your rights to 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 uh, to say that, uh, and at least it would bring matters to a head. So that's what you want ultimately. You don't want your damage your property to be damaged, and I understand that. So speak to the people who own the business first of all. Um, go there, um, bearing gifts, so to speak, and see uh, and see if uh, a little bit of sweet talk might be able to bring them round to, for them to realise that you do mean business, that you might seek an injunction, that you might sue them the tort of nuisance, uh, and that you might go to the local authority, and that may make make them think, okay, we best manage this in another way. Mm. It strikes me as the sort of thing a, a good sort of hardworking local councillor. <clears throat> I think a local councillor, yeah, well. your, your local MP, um, people like that, anyone that will just, what you need really is for this matter to be resolved amicably. You don't want, you know, you, uh, as, as in previous uh, matters, people don't want to litigate. Ideally, they don't want to go, be sat outside a courtroom. What they want is 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 a resolution to the problem that they have and in their day to day life. And what you need is for if the property not to be damaged. So go and speak to to these people, see what they say. And if you don't get any joy, then I think you may have to go and speak to, as Mick says, your local councillor, your local MP, um, the local authority. These people might be able to help you. Mm. Imagine putting up CCTV and finding that that also got knocked down as well. That'd be really annoying, wouldn't it? Well, I guess it's where you sort of, you know, you're going to put it. Yeah, you're not no, going to put it where it's going to likely to be damaged. A, True. a good vantage point. Kenny, thank you for your email. Best of luck with that situation. Do let us know how you get on. Uh, surgery at citytalk.fm if you've got an email for the legal surgery. Uh, Mark Ellis is with us every Thursday afternoon at surgery at citytalk.fm, the email address. Uh, this one comes through. It says, uh, no names, please. I'm legally married, but separated from my wife recently. We have no children. We own a house with a joint mortgage. I no longer live at the house, but my wife does live at the house. I'm still making mortgage payments, but want to stop. I want to sell the house, but she does not. In the divorce course, what happens in the divorce courts? What happens if I stop making mortgage payments? And how can I force the sale of the house? No names, please. We understand why. Mark Ellis, what's the answer? Okay, well, if you stop making mortgage payments, you won't need to trouble the courts because the property will be reclaimed by the mortgage company, won't it? And at the end of the day, although you are um, you, uh, you, you're separated, okay, you're not divorced yet separated but if you stop making the mortgage payments then that investment that you have will go because the mortgage company will come tiptoeing to your property they'll take control of it your wife will be kicked out of the property and you'll have lost your property so and it'll be put up for sale by the mortgage company so you don't want that to happen um, in terms of what can you do about the sale of the house well I note that you're separated I also note that you have no children can you not agree between the two of you as to who takes the, the property over can there not be a transfer of sale from from one of you to to the other and simply go on your way? Now, in terms of if if you can't agree this, and if it's a, a scenario whereby your your wife is saying, "Well, no, I'm sorry, I want to keep this property and I can't afford to buy you out," then it might be that you you need a a court to determine what happens. There are certain types of orders, such as um, Mesher and Martin orders, 
that allow the the wife to stay in the property uh, and um, she remains in the property until certain trigger events occur and they usually mean that uh, examples of trigger events are perhaps the children of the family turn 18 or um, she remarries or she cohabits with somebody else and that would automatically trigger the sale of the property now sometimes certainly where children are involved uh, and where you know mother doesn't want to leave and dad wants a sale sometimes that's a suitable compromise because everyone knows that well there will come a time when that property is to be sold um, but in your particular case it sounds like it's a fairly recent marriage that that uh, has unfortunately gone wrong and you have no children. So really, if you haven't been there a terribly long period of time, the court really would take a view that there should be a clean break between the two of you and, allow, and the two of you being allowed to go about your business. It's a case really of trying to save yourselves money and rather than going down the, the, the court process, you know, try and discuss and negotiate with uh, with your uh, ex-wife or wife uh, as to how much she would want for, the, for, the, for, for it. If ultimately you can't reach a settlement, then you may well have to go to a court and apply for an order for sale. Um, and, and you would be saying, if it's in terms of the divorce, if you're going down the route of um, the divorce and then sorting out the ancillary, so all the finances of the marriage, if that's what you're going to do before a county court, then one of the things you can say within the body of your application is, I also want an order for sale of that property. And then it would allow the judge to look at it and make a determination whether he considered, for instance, a Mesher or Martin order. So she stays in the property subject to certain conditions occurring or trigger events occurring or whether the judge feels well actually what we should have here is a severing of ties they go their separate ways and they and the judge potentially might order a sale of the property so really it's all about really the length of your marriage the fact that you haven't got any children i would have thought if it's a fairly short marriage a judge would be fairly keen on on giving you both a clean break and perhaps that order of a sale might be made uh, Mark, with that, we're out of time. Thank you for your time today. Thank you to everybody who's emailed the show this week. Uh, if you want to get a question in for next week's show, send them in at any point over the next seven days or so. Uh, make sure it's here, obviously, for next Thursday. Uh, surgery at citytalk.fm is the legal surgery email. at surgery at citytalk.fm. And we could be solving your problems, hopefully, as part of next week's show. Mark Ellis from James Murray Solicitors. Great to see you as ever. And you, Mitch, Will you come it. back next week? If you, yes, if you look after me, I'll be here. I will. Good uh, Right. Hugs next. Oh, no, not French kisses. <laughs> oh, no. Mark Ellis, thank you for your time. This is the City Surgery on City Talk 105.9.